Hello to all our listeners. Welcome to the Far From Eden podcast, where I, Michelle Marufu, enter into conversation with various guests on how we tackle all the gray areas in our lives and thoughts with what appear to be black and white rules and regulations. Thanks for joining us and hope you join in on the conversation on our Instagram and Facebook pages. Please find the handle in our description and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Far From Eden podcast. Today I have two guests instead of one and I'm so excited to welcome someone who you've probably heard me talk to before if, you, if you're a follower of Third Culture Kids. I have my friend Akosia Tachiwe Ofori here and another guy that you've probably never heard of but I've been friends with for a while. <laughs> His name is Vane Lechuma and I'm just going to allow both of them to introduce themselves and give us a little background on um, their either religious perspectives or just to get to know a bit about them. So I'll start with you, Akosia. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I don't even know how to introduce myself. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm like one of Michelle's really good friends. You probably heard me if you listen to the Third Culture Kids. Um, and I am, I guess, I'm like an international student at UBC. And I, I say that because that experience has formed a lot of my perspectives on like religion so i was um i am a christian by birth but then coming here and coming to like um a place where my religion wasn't the dominant religion or like culture wasn't dominantly like pressuring me to stay within the confines of my religion as was at home um a lot of things that i've had to like think about is how i want to define religion in my own terms how i want to define my christian that it's not as performative as it used to be. Um, so yeah, I'm like excited to talk about the topic um, that Michelle will be introducing, and I'm gonna hand it over to Anela before I talk for too long. <laughs> I didn't think the introduction was supposed to be that long. <laughs> wow! <laughs> oh, I didn't buy that. I'm gonna try to yeah. Okay, so I'm Va or Vanille. Um, I'm an international student studying in Germany, uh, and I'm about to do a master's in finance. Uh, with regards to religion, I grew up Christian, but I don't think I really stuck to one denomination. Um, most of my family is SDA, so yeah, when I used to go to church, I used to go to SDA church but I went to a school that was Catholic. Um, I had friends who were of other denominations that when I go there, sleep over, whatever. I go to their church and whatever. So I didn't really identify with one. It didn't really make sense to me. And as I've grown up and when I see these divisions and how there's so much conflict within the church and stuff, I started to question a lot of things. So I think that's my stance on the church right now. Okay. Um, thanks so much for your introductions, guys. And just to give everyone an idea of what we're going to be talking about today, as you already know, it's going to be in relation to religion. But today we'll, we're going to be talking about the corporatization or monetization of the church and um, basically just exploring where we think money fits into the um, religious narrative, whether it belongs there or um, the, different, the different spectrums of it in, in our different experiences. 
whether it belongs there, whether it's taught well, whether it's, um, we associate with it well, the different guilt we felt um, over the, the way, the teachings that we know religiously and our experiences with money. And also, of course, talking about um, the, <laughs> the popular preachers that <laughs> have basically formed their reputations around uh, making money or um, the success narrative for a lot of people, which has become popular in, I think, all our environments as well, because we all have African backgrounds and that's become a popular narrative. And also in North America, where I'm, where Toshiwa and I are based, but I'm not sure about Germany, but yeah, the narrative of making more money has become very popular and religion has been dragged into it or is has been a part of it for ages. So... Just going to start with um, asking Manila to describe a clip that she sent me that I refused to discuss with you at the time because I thought it might be best to hear on the podcast. <laughs> so, uh... Okay, so basically it's uh, this church. I think it's SPAC Nation. And oh my God, I... sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's part of a documentary by Reggie Yates and he's speaking to the pastor, Pastor Toby. And um, they're just discussing the church and what they do. And I think it's the idea behind it is getting kids who are, or, or youth who are involved in the knife violence or, gang, or gangs in, in the UK. I'm not really sure where exactly out of yeah, that kind of, yeah, in that, out of that environment and into the church and plug them into different things that they can do uh to further their lives and whatever but the aesthetic of the whole interview is crazy because this pastor is in a huge mansion um his cars are not just some basic cars it's top of the class high-end luxury cars and even just what he's wearing and um they ask him i think they asked him so What's with the money and the whole religion? Like, how does that fit? And I think the pastor says something. Uh, Michelle, you can correct me mm -hmm. if I'm wrong, but he says something along the lines of, I, I think he acknowledges that they use the money side of things, the flashy lifestyle that mm -hmm. they have to pull in the kids uh, into the church. And it gets kind of tricky when you look at it that way because should it be the money that attracts them to the church or should it be faith? Uh, yeah, I think that was my issue with it, or my question to you about that, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I remember saying, because I, I have not looked into the church myself, and I remember just responding to you saying that I, I felt, just from that short clip, I felt like that was, that was okay for me, because I think there's um, different ways to attract people or to bring people into something, and for me, it's, a, it's almost like marketing, right? Like when you... Um, People walk into a company for one reason and end up sticking around for something else. But you kind of need that thing that pulls people in. And then only then, once you have their attention, can you teach them other aspects. So just from that limited tip, I haven't done research on the church myself, but just from the limited tip, I was okay with that narrative leading people in and then teaching them other things once they're inside. But yeah, I don't know. Akosia, what do you think about it? I, so I, I think I heard about stagnation like last year or so. And it was so funny because they were doing this, um, there was a Spac Nation promotional video going out where they were like interviewing this family that the pastor had supposedly helped. 
and the boy was in like into gang violence and he almost died and then the pastor came and saved him and then the pastor moves in into the family's house basically and tells them what to do tells the sister where to go and the mother is like so grateful that there's this influence in their life because apparently the son doesn't have a like um strong father figure or whatever it is and this the presence of the pastor is so comforting and it just gave me cold vibes to the highest degree <laughs> and then <laughs> someone was saying how um like oh they've heard of them and like in london they're like uh, not london don't know where exactly they are um they are like this christian mafia because the pastor can tell like one of the congregation um members to go fight this person that he doesn't like or like people that like go against or like people that are not happy with the the pastor and his preaching they just randomly are jumped in the middle of like alleyways and things like that so i, I don't know i'm like this is whole this thing seems more like um like a Christian mafia than it is a church because look at the man's cars and things like that and the people jumping people in alleyways. I don't understand where is I don't know exactly. where the space is for the work of God to be happening if it is happening in the first place. But I find it interesting and I wanted to like touch on like this one thing um that Ban uh, Banili said where he was like the pastor said having all the cars and the, like, the flashy lifestyle attracts um, the youth to the church. And I feel like that's a narrative that has been um, like propelled by a lot of churches right now as well. Like there, there's this like shift from the traditional Christianity that we used to knew and the rise of these sort of hip and happening um, like Christian churches. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not all of them are terrible and all of them have this ulterior like motives, but it's a way to also yeah, attract the youth which like don't necessarily want this conventional Christianity. So like the transformations, the elevation churches, the the my church and we church and mm-hmm. all those things, like that is their appeal, right? They have these hip and relatable pastors who wear like fancy sneakers and mm-hmm. um have the latest <laughs> like, easy. Michael Todd out of this. <laughs> oh no, I love Michael Todd. I love Michael Todd. But let's not let's not lie to ourselves and like pretend like that's not an appealing mm-hmm. part of like the reason why some yeah. of us listen to him. Like yeah. I think Michael Todd any day over like the guys that I used to like go to church back home wearing like their big ass acquatas. Like yeah. you get me. Yeah. I really watch Michael Todd. So it's all part of it, you get me. And it's a way of like making us because for a lot I think I'm I'm rambling, but for a long time Christianity has had this thing where it's it's supposedly unattractive. Like mm. if you want to be a Christian you can't like do the things that the secular people are doing because um that the fact that they are doing it makes it automatically bad mm-hmm. but we didn't use it. there was no reason behind it it was just like oh this is associated to me, right mm-hmm. um whereas now these people are showing you that oh these are things that you used to want to do but you couldn't do before mm-hmm. and we're telling you that it's okay to do within the confines of christianity and that's i guess very attractive if you think about it mm-hmm. well i felt like you wanted to catch in at some point when patricio was speaking I was going to say so what do you think about like the topic is commercialization of church. Yeah. So what do you think about the church becoming a business? Because there mm-hmm. there are some pastors, for example, once again Reggie Ed, he did this um documentary called uh Extreme Something it's on Netflix and 
he does a three-part series in South Africa, and one of them is about uh, this church in Joburg, I think. Mm. And basically, the pastor is very popular, and he's built this this fandom. And with that, he's created a brand. Mm. And with that brand, he's selling merch and um, you know, Vaseline <laughs> t-shirts, all this kind of stuff. And um, what else? What else? I don't know. I guess, yeah, he makes money from the church. And he lives a really, really flashy life. He he buys suits every other week. He has the flashiest cars. He donates millions of rands to um, uh, one of the communities there. You know, that kind of thing. So what do you think about the church in that way? And it's, um, pastors using, I guess, faith to create a brand and then make money. Because on the one hand, they are helping these people, I guess, because they have something to hold on to, something to believe in, and they feel better, quote unquote. But on the other hand, I feel it goes against the whole premise of religion. Um, I'm just going to pipe in here. And, um, when when Manuri was asking his questions, the thing that I kept on thinking about, the word that kept on ringing in my ear is branding. And the issue, the issue mm-hmm. that I have with branding um, is anytime that you brand something, there's a, there's a pressure or a need to maintain that branding. So, um, and in terms of the church, like mm-hmm. he was giving examples of how um, the, the church in South Africa he's referring to has to, like, they, they, they brand t-shirts, they brand this, they brand that. And all of that, thing, all of that just requires a certain image. And when you, when you require a certain image, it means that you, you filter through a lot of things that people could be realistically going through that need addressing within the church and within religion and people need for, um, for in terms of guidance. And we, we just brought up Michael Todd and Stephen Furtick, very, like, very good role models of mine. And why I follow them is because their churches actually don't have brands <laughs> as far as branding goes. The, the, the only thing that they have is we are just they they just address life realistically and just last night i was watching michael todd renew his vows with his wife and um they were just talking about the beginning of their relationship and how they got to be where they are now and she addressed things issues around even her virginity right which is stuff that we don't hear from churches that are centered on branding because you have to appear a certain way you have to skip certain conversations to maintain that good-looking thing or and that's the issue that I had even with the, the church that I grew up in that such you address things on a very surface level because you're not even supposed to have those thoughts or have those things you're just supposed to be good because being good is just being good <laughs> right so um, I think yeah. that, that would be my issue if a church is centered on branding and if, if we're talking about branding in terms of money, it's still the same problem where the only thing you address is money and things that address riches only because your branding mm-hmm. is centered on that. So that, for me, limits, limits the scope yeah. of the church. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's, like, that's true. I think Benelli wanted to respond, so I'm just going to leave it in. I was going to say, so is there anything good about commercializing churches? Does it bring any, I guess. The thing is, it's so hard to, 
in my opinion, like there are clear like signs of churches that have been commercialized where you know that the faith was the last thing on your mind. Yeah. But then at the same time, if you think about it, even churches that have have tremendous impacts like let's say West Side in Canada or like transformation and elevation in the US, they to some extent are also commercialized churches, right? They sell their merch. We have songs mm-hmm. and bands that like release CDs mm-hmm. and things all the time. That's also a form of like commercialization. So it's, I don't know. I think you have to, as a like believer or like a follower, you have to pray about these things, especially when you're choosing um, your church and you're choosing which kind of leader to consume from, because that's going to influence the, like the content that you're getting, whatever the intentions are, it's going to influence the content that you're getting. Um, and it's much harder, I think, when you you come to Africa because I feel like all of our churches, except for like the the like like um, how do you, the what's the name of those things? The sects, like the Presbyterians, the Methodists, and those those people. Like they, there's never a figurehead in, at the top, so you never focus on one person for too long. They're always like changing them. So there's no time for anyone to develop a cult following because by the time people have recognized who he is, they've already switched him to another uh, branch somewhere uh, or whatever it is. And I don't even know who's at the head of the whole organization. You get me? But then, like in charismatic churches, it's like a big thing. I don't know. I remember the church I grew up with, and we had T-shirts for everything. And I was, I was like, this is so unnecessary. And they still trip you into not buying the T-shirt for that, that one event. That's crazy. And I'm like, you just bought a t-shirt like one week ago. I don't get this. But anyway, so I think like, I don't know, I feel like people over here don't have this big of a problem with how churches are commercialized here. It's like, I don't know, it's it's Africans. We have the issue. Or not even Africans. Like, I think lots of like majority world countries, like even in the Philippines and stuff like that, their churches as well. Like, I don't know, religion is used as a tool to yeah. control the yeah, and so wherever you go, I don't know. It seems like the easiest way to make money, in my opinion, especially out of poverty. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, that I guess the effect depends on who the yeah. consumer is. Um, like how you guys are describing um, pastors that are there in North America. Um, I guess the congregation or whoever the consumer is might not be as poor or as needy as the other pastors that we were talking about who have made so much money out of it. So the difference in the commercialization is it's one of them just looks bad. One of them is (laughs) (laughs) one of them looks manipulative and just uh, taking advantage of people's faith and getting money out of them, if that makes any sense to you guys. Yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. okay. So I was having this conversation with my mom in terms of we were talking about it in terms of politics, and it just dawned on me now. Where it's we, I think we were discussing. I was I was saying something about how sometimes I think monarchy is more effective because um, you raise someone with everything that they need, right? So when they do come into power, like when they do take mm-hmm. over that, you've removed the greed element. Like there's other disadvantages to that, but you've instantly removed the greed element because they know that they're, they're always going to have 
what they want. No matter what happens, or, or, or as long as they can stay in power, they can they can always have what um, food on the table. There's no, there's no. You you remove the need for corruption, right? In a way, in a very simplistic way. So when you when you were to, when Vanille asked um, if it's better to have if if there's any positive to commercializing churches, I started thinking to myself though that there's I feel like a lot of a lot of issues come from when money is made through the church, right? As opposed to maybe having yeah. people who are already business people and allowed to explore other business ventures and explore to allowed to explore other ways of making money before they become pastors or whilst they're also pastors. Is that, does that make sense? Or it's like you separate, you, you have this mm-hmm. thing that's more of a, of a passion and part of your life, but you, you're also allowed to make, to make money. And I know in traditional churches, I know with my experience with the Methodist church, pastors re- depend on money from the, the congregants. So money is, money is made from the tithing and the donations that are made, blah, 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 blah. so all the, all, the, all the pastors' money comes directly from that. So that was the question that I, I wanted to direct to you guys, that do you think if pastors are allowed to, if we're more transparent about making money right outside of the church, do you think it would help the church? Because churches are going to have to make money. Like it's, It goes without saying, it's an institution, even for them to be able to put up those YouTube videos that we're all watching, they do need to make money. And some of that money comes from selling t-shirts or fundraising those are fair ways to fundraise right but the issue is when you corrupt your preacher yeah. so do you think there's there's ways to not corrupt preachers if they're allowed to make money outside of the church and then just bring that in in as guidance like yeah. as a form of guidance which is why initially even when money they sent me that video i didn't see much of a problem with it because i was like mm-hmm. this guy is making money and he's guiding other children to make money as well, because money is something that's on our minds. So we can't exactly just say, oh, when we come to church, let's not talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about other things. But at the same time, so that balance, that's my question. How do we find the balance? Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like, I feel like it's not, that's not the issue because from what I've seen, like my personal experiences, the largest churches and the ones that exploit their members the most are people that have like late and so, like, the pastors are people that have, they either had their own jobs or their own, like, businesses or, like, careers yeah. and when they came into the ministry, or they are doing both of them simultaneously. So, I don't think it's an issue of, like, letting people do business and then come into, like, the church. It's I think it's a, it's an issue of why someone wants to start the church in the first place, why someone wants to be in the ministry in the first place. And I think that's like it's very hard to find like that out. You get me? Like it's going to be very difficult for you to be able to isolate the real the real reason why anyone wants to be a pastor. So I don't know if it's something we can actually solve, and like from the top, I feel like it's something that you have to solve from the bottom, where you have to like educate followers and believers yeah. more on how to like like identify these people. You get me? It's like how we tell people to boycott businesses basically you have to and like um make decisions with your money or like influence um capitalism with your money the same way you have to sort of influence religion with your your patronage like you are the people yeah. going to these churches and they're telling you oh bring your sheep bring your goats two offerings three offerings a day you are the people that still keep on giving them the money so i think it's when we sort of break that chain like of us giving into these institutions 
we become weak. As of right now, I think they wouldn't even have power if like there weren't people to manipulate, and that's what I see right now. A bunch of people, you know, trying to find a way to make money quickly under the promise or the guise of budget on both sides, from the past year and from the forward. Yeah. But I think it's difficult to um, to educate people about that, especially when there's mm. poverty, because mm-hmm. it's now using their faith against them and telling them, oh, if you do this, this will come out. I mean, there's a reason why, for example, where we come from, a lot of the industrial places that used to be booming back in the day and aren't operating right now have become churches. and you see them packed every Sunday because people are looking mm-hmm. for something to hold on to through the struggle. And that's how, I think that's the side of commercialization that I have a problem with, where you're taking advantage of people's situations and uh, yeah, making money out of it. But it's, 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 it's interesting to think about because I think what I'm getting from Akosi is when when you when you were describing this, I kept on thinking that everyone is corruptible. Though, so there's some. I don't think. I I think mm-hmm. it's very rare for preachers to go in with the. They're, they're there. There are some people who go in with the um, idea that I need to make money off, out of this, right? But I think similar to politicians and um, other leaders, I think when you do get into something, you have good intentions. It's just like when you get into a new relationship. You have really good intentions. It's, it's rare that you walk in thinking, oh, I'm going to break this person's heart, right? But everyone is corruptible in the sense that um, if you do find that there's money to be made here and you've never seen this kind of money before, I think you're easier to corrupt than someone who comes in, um, sees that, oh, people are following me and I'm getting power from this. But it's also power that I get in other in other spheres, right? So the, your your immediate notion is not to take full advantage of this power because you you felt that power using other like other methods before, and I think that's my recommendation for mm-hmm. pastors having external um, interests in in other things comes from. It's like mm-hmm. it's just to to ensure that that corruptibility, whilst it's it's probably inevitable, is also mm-hmm. um, delayed. <laughs> it comes maybe f- further down the line after you've done a lot of good as well. And I think what you say is key as well, that making mm-hmm. sure that people are educated from the bottom, because we are the ones that have the power to give them that absoluteness as well, right? That, that like, that God-like yeah. um, power that we, we give a lot of them. And like Manele is saying as well, though, it's, it's difficult because when you are poor and when you are desperate, you take, you latch on to anything that seems like a sign of hope. And I remember having a conversation with my friend where I asked him, mm-hmm. do you think people are poor because they're religious or are people religious because they're poor? It's, <laughs> it's, an, interesting, mm, it's an interesting relationship where you just latch on to any signs of hope. And that, that brings me to my next question, though, where traditionally, though, money, wasn't, money is not spoken about properly like from even biblically the way pastors teach it it seems very on the surface like my entire life i grew up kind of villainizing it um when it came to going into church money was kind of villainized like no you're not supposed to be striving for that you're not supposed to be which i think is true but at the same time it's it's 
it's a practical thing. Like if I'm hungry, I can't focus on on wanting God. And if I do focus on wanting God, it's because I probably want a a, a short term solution to the hunger that I'm feeling right now. So my my question to you guys is mm-hmm. how is how is money taught to you, and how has that made it difficult even now when you look at the the so the quote unquote um, prosperity churches and preaching. And do you think that if we taught it better, people wouldn't be so quick to embrace that? Like from your experiences. Hmm. I don't know. I'm gonna let Vanilla go first. Uh, when you say how was money taught to me, you mean like when I was growing yeah. up? Oof, I have no idea. <laughs> to be fair, uh, I think I just observed. I saw. Um, I went to t- two different primary schools. Uh-huh. One that wasn't, one that was okay, but like you had a mix of middle class and like lower income families and whatever. So you see how, I guess, other people's lives are. You hear stories and you you know things like that. Then I moved to a different one, which was a, a better school, and you see the middle class and like the really rich kids and then you're like okay this is how the money is here and I think I just learned about money just by observing um, all these things and I guess in church wise yeah money money is just it seemed taboo you know wanting to be I wouldn't say wanting to be successful uh, was taboo but success comes with Mm -hmm. money you know and it just seemed like making money is frowned upon, which kind of is a conflict of interest with me because I want to make money <laughs> and do a couple of things, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't balance for me. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think for me, though, that's one thing that my church did really well, like, for all their flaws that I would speak about, that one thing, like, because they used to make us, like, understand that money is evil. It's, like, the love of money that is the root of all evil. Like, even in the Bible, Paul says it all the time. And a lot of the biblical characters that we, like, heard of, the most famous ones, like Abraham, Jacob. Like, Jacob was a very shrewd Mm -hmm. businessman. He was sly. He was, like, a badass. He was there pretending (laughs) to, like, take bad, like, sheep, and then in the middle of the night, he was feeding them and whatnot so yeah you know so i think like it was very important to us like it's i think the one thing that we made us aware of is the fact that being a christian doesn't mean like you have to be poor if that makes sense that it's mm-hmm. it's god's blessing that you be prosperous but it happens when you it's like seek he first the kingdom of god and all other things added onto you so primarily you should be seeking god and then the money and the rest of the things will like will come and when they do come you shouldn't mm-hmm. be ashamed that you have them you should like take it as um a reflection of god's glory in your life but at the same time do not ever like be so overindulged in them that you forget the main reason why you even mm-hmm. have these mm-hmm. things in the first place on the other hand like i can see how in other churches like this can be twisted because if you say oh seek you first the kingdom of god and all other things will come to come to you if i'm someone who doesn't have anything and you're telling me this is a way for me to get money 
oh, like, this is the way for me to get the other things. And I'll come and say I'm seeking God, yeah, but it's not, that's not the reason why I'm there in the first place. Like what Michelle said, like, you can't, I, when I'm hungry, I won't be able to focus on you. Mm-hmm. I won't be able to focus on God. <laughs> so it, it, I think most people go over the, the other things and then they're like, oh, but I heard that seeking God is the way to get there. And then you just end up in all this. Like, it's very easy to exploit mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. that way as well. So, hmm, I don't know. The whole thing seems depressing. Um, I think it's my main, like, takeaway and, or my main issue with this. I feel people don't have as much agency in their own mm-hmm. spirituality mm-hmm. as they should. And that's where this whole issue came from. Because if you're having one-on-one conversations with you're like focusing on your own, what your like Christianity or your spir- mm-hmm. spirituality means to you, the outside factors shouldn't be as big of a deal yeah. as it is right now. Yeah. I don't know, <laughs> in my opinion. I think for and like I, I I've gone through like performative Christianity is like mm. a big thing back home. Even when you are not enjoying the things that everyone thinks you should be enjoying, like going to church from Monday to Sunday or whatever, seven hours a like you're supposed to feel like you're supposed mm. to pretend that you like these. But on the inside, your relationship with God is non-existent because you resent Him for the things that you're doing outwardly to show people that you're a Christian. Um, and I think that's a big thing. That I feel like that's what leads into this whole like being able to exploit you because we're exploiting the appearance of things. We're making it seem like everything is fine on the outside, but in on the inside, we don't have true Christians. Like the pastors that are preaching to us and the mm-hmm. congregations that's listening, half of them don't even have their own personal relationship with God or Christ. So then, at the end of the day, do we even have Christians in the first place? Like this is not even a question about like. God or the church. This is a question about religion, like how um, human beings have corrupted. I don't know Christianity, hmm. in my opinion. And the and what you like, what you're saying is very valid. And I think it's got it's also it's also really got a lot to do with the culture in general that we've um, allowed to like fester within our society. So everything is everything is really has really been externalized. And I think only now are people starting to talk more about um, mindset and the fact that everything is a, probably a byproduct of, of your mindset, right? So if you're, but I think the, 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 the Bible puts this across very well. And I think you're very right in saying that a lot of times leadership doesn't because the, the Bible does have that thing where it's like, um, and I see it now with people like Oprah, when someone like Oprah says it out loud, right? It's, it sounds like something so divine in the first the first time that you've heard it, but you realize that it's always been in your Bible. When she says something like, oh, um, money is a byproduct of passion, or like find something, make sure that your mind is fine and the money will come with it, or don't like don't get into business to make money because you will never make money if you're just in it to make money. You you need to want something else for it. You, you know, you need to love something else. And the Bible says this all the time. The, if you look at like the CQ first, the kingdom of God, it's all, all, all it's trying to say is, um, like, run, make sure your internals are fine and the external factors just, it will just come with it. And I, 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 I know, I, I really, like I said, my mentors right now, Stephen Kotick and Michael Todd, and they drive that very well for me. But I grew up without that. Like, I asked you guys the question in terms of um, how much mm-hmm. was preached to you. And to be honest, I don't know if I never paid attention. Sometimes I'm like, maybe I didn't pay attention to church. But there's a, there's a lot of things where the, the times that I was alert, all I could hear was 
um, don't make sure that you like you you don't want the temptations of of your body, like the things that your body wants or the desires of like wanting money and whatnot. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, right? It, on one side, it's very true that you're supposed to be moderating that stuff, but then again, it was the the mm-hmm. guidance that meant moder that that would lead me to moderating that stuff was also lacking. So, for example, you look at someone like um, yeah. If we if we give examples of Bible characters, you look at someone like David, right? And David David has always been used of the mm-hmm. used as the example of the person who's brave and patient because he was he was he used to go out and look after his father's sheep and he was. He was looked down upon, and he was just patient, and and very they very rarely preach what he was probably going through, like the doubts he was going through when he was doing those things. The fact that he he probably occasionally wanted to dabble in this and dabble in that, and later on it did reflect in his life after he became king. But there's some things that he wanted to dabble in that probably always existed, right? But for me, growing up, it was always you're either here or there. So even the aspects of wanting to make money or mm-hmm. um, pleasures of the body were instantly villainized in my mind. So coming yeah. to that moderation was difficult. But coming to that center point where I'm like, I need to figure out my brain first and the, the surrounding factors will, will follow. And I think it's, it's important in, in your development in general to have leaders who put that across. And I think that you are very right in saying if those leaders haven't gone through that process, they can't teach us that, <laughs> right? And now they just feed into the culture of that immediate gratification. That I just have to tell people that if they do this, they'll get money. And just, and then you just you just have this cycle where nothing is actually happening, but we'll continue because eventually it might come out. But we're actually not putting in the work that we need to. And yeah, it's it's an it's an interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. It's an interesting dynamic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I think that's so true. And I think we're having this conversation where we're like, um, a lot of the things that have become like Christianity's biggest problem, like yeah. sex, money, whatever it is, are things that are of the human nature, but things that we were shunned from talking about. So there was no like Christian way to approach this because we just didn't know because we felt like it wasn't even Christian at all. When you read the Bible, there is like a whole book devoted to sex. So like, obviously it's something we should have been talking about in the first place. You get me? Um, And money is like the same as well. And I feel like because we didn't talk about it, we've given a lot of room for people to, the few people that do talk about it to corrupt the definition or corrupt the way it's supposed to be addressed and use it for their own your own wishes or desires and that's where you have all these like hyper commercial like commercialized churches or pastors because as we've agreed like there are commercialized churches everywhere but then there are some that are obviously doing more bad than good and so anyways it seems like such a circular sad conversation I'm literally listening to both of you like, damn, this is, this is a lot to take in. I have yeah. a quick question, and it might go on. It's a bit of a tangent, but it's still in the realm of religion. Um, so once, I, I don't know how we got into the conversation about religion, but my cousin was like, yeah, uh, I, I do this and whatever, because, you know, I really want, I want to go to heaven, or the Bible says this, 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 and this. And my mm-hmm. brother asked him, are you religious because... 
because you 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 actually have faith in this or you just you're scared <laughs> of the idea of not going together. <laughs> and I guess that's my question to you guys. Is mm-hmm. it a faith thing or is it a fear thing? Because Michelle said something think, about yeah. I don't know what you said, but you um about the money thing and yeah, you just made me think about the whole fear aspect of religion. Um no you, you can go. go <laughs> No, I think I was like, that's like a big thing. We're talking about how like religion or like Christianity, I can't, I can't say religion in general, but Christianity is based on the premise that you must like first believe mm-hmm. before you can do anything, right? Because like when you do that, the sinner's prayer, you're saying that, oh, I I believe that Jesus is my one Lord and Savior and that he has cleansed me of my sins and the, the devil has no hold on me. And that statement is, we make it seem like it's just that simple, that it's yeah. like that mm-hmm. statement and everything. But in my opinion, a lot of the work on believing comes after. And I don't understand why we make it seem like it's just like this automatic checkbox thing that you do before and then you get me. It's yeah. like, we, and no one addresses it. Everyone is like, so when you have doubts or when you have questions, no one's ready to like have a conversation about it because they are also working under the same like premise that you worked on, that checkbox that you did, right? No one actually understands why they believe because you never see the impact of God's life um like on you before that prayer you get it's very few like very few people that get like like Saul. Saul was on the mm-hmm. road and then he was abandoned because he was blinded and then after he was blinded he realized and then he like healed you realize like mm-hmm. god is real and like god has done something and then i believe that there's very few people like that that actually have an encounter mm-hmm. that them. the rest of us we are working on this premise that oh this person i know and this is what i've always been told to believe and so i'm believing but you don't actually believe. but like for me i don't know i feel like <laughs> last year i went through a lot and then i sat down and i was like I don't think I ever actually believed. I think I, 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 I just always felt like that was a default setting, and then now I just like work on the other things. But that's like such a core thing, and then you have to back and like reflect on the things that you do and why you do them. Um, if it's just because you're scared that when you die yeah. you're going to go to hell, <laughs> you know that's a big thing. That's a big Sucks. thing. Like basically, or like, what are the reasons why you? believe in god do you genuinely feel god's presence and god's actions in your life every day do you feel like you're over like rationalizing everything or over like um what's the word dieticizing like you're making everything god when some of the things are not even god in order to confirm your own beliefs it's i think it's a constant battle that like christians should acknowledge that they have with themselves but i think we've created this environment where we can't even like fathom thinking about the fact that you don't believe because as soon as you say that that destroys like any legitimacy to any Christian thing that you've done because I mean, we base this whole thing on like the that's the one first thing and, that you have to do you know like I I I I am I have a pretty not from definitely not from relationship. It's it's definitely not from I have a pretty good relationship with with God now. In the sense that I, mm-hmm. I think I removed for myself the pressure of 
that consistency in belief. So it's the same way. So I, I, I kind of started thinking about it from my, my relationship with my parents, right? It's, I, I, I can see my parents physically, so it's much easier to trust in some of the decisions that they make for me, right? But still, even then, when I can see them physically, there are some decisions that they make that I'm like, eh, uh, <laughs> you know, because they're human. And like, I, I have some doubts uh, sometimes, that as they, sometimes, most of the time, they turn out to be right. Right, but sometimes I do have those moments where I know these people are really looking out for me, but still I have that doubt, and that's I've, I've transferred that to God as well. Where it's like, if I can doubt people that I can physically see and have never done anything intentionally to harm me, then I'm sort of allowed to doubt this um, this very like omnipresent um, thing that I've never, like you said, I've never had a really physical encounter with it. Right. So there are moments where I'm like, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a believer because there are some things that have happened in my life that I cannot explain if I take if I take um, God out. Exactly. Like I, I, I would not be able to explain them. And there are moments where I felt like I've really felt that presence. And most of the time I don't feel that presence. But still, the moments that I have felt that presence, I think, make up for the moments that I don't. Because, like I said, I've taken a very realistic perspective of it. That I'm a very, I'm a person who's prone to questioning people. Be it someone I'm in a relationship with, my parents, my friends. I'm prone to questioning your your intentions at every go. And I think it's only fair that I also take that approach mm-hmm. as well when I'm even talking about, about God. And if I allow the moments where I do question that, when it's just a character thing element for myself to overshadow the fact that I believe I I don't even make sense I think I I grew up around that premise that you should have faith all the time but I think it's impossible (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have to believe and I've come to forgive Mm -hmm. myself for those times where I'm just like I really don't know if you're there and I want to believe that you're there but it really doesn't feel Mm -hmm. like you're there right now so I've because of that mm-hmm. and I think I think it's an issue because I don't think we talk about it enough and that's why we have this idea of what the no, Christian exactly. is supposed yeah. to look like and this brings me to the question that I was going to ask you guys next mm-hmm. as well where we we sort of like demonize certain people I know I know certain people have been demonized because they look they they are rich and they look a certain way and that's not how a Christian is supposed to look they wear a leather jacket or they wear kicks um, they were um, high tops or whatever and that's not what a Christian is supposed to look like right and it transfers to this conversation of money that we've been having and it relates to it and I guess it's it, Vanille can begin to answer it when you tell us about your um, how, how your belief lies but I just think we need to have more of these conversations and become more forgiving to this idea that especially mm-hmm. if it's part of your character that you question things why should you not be able to question this person that you can't see, that you're just supposed to believe made you um, mm-hmm. versus the Big Bang, versus this, versus all the questions we have? And I think once you allow that, you develop a better relationship mm-hmm. with it because it's now, it's now practical. It's not just, you know, it's not sinning every time you question it. It's not... Yeah. 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 So... Um, no, go on. Yeah. So when it comes to, like... I think you're talking about how uh, okay. presentation and things like that. And I guess, are we talking about pastors or just people? Like both. Um, most people that we meet and even pastors, both. <laughs> I mean, if it's just people we meet, I, 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 don't, I don't have a problem with how you present yourself or whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's just you. That's now you and your money and whatever you do with it. You know, you could be just a member of the church, but you do whatever you do in your mm-hmm. daily life. 
you know, with the pastors, I also don't, I don't think I have a problem with it. It just depends on how you're uh. using it. So if you just fly, <laughs> then that's just what it is, you know. <laughs> if you're just fine, like, I don't think you should be stopped from expressing yourself in terms of your fashion. If if the congregation, I'm not even the congregation. Like if you if you just uh, dress well, but then when you're there and you're in front of the people and you're preaching the gospel and you're telling the people, it's it your focus mm-hmm. is the word, then I don't see a problem with it. It's when there's now these subtle things where you're talking about, oh, we could do this and we can take you out of poverty and they see how you're presented mm-hmm. and you, the, the focus of your sermon is about money and what we can do for you and the Lord said this and we can do this for you and they see you with the Louis V belt and what, 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 what. Then that's when I have a problem with it because you're using your image to bring in these people, these impressionable people who want all of this you're sort of planting a message in their head and yeah that's when i have a problem Mm, and i think that goes back to the branding thing i was talking about as well where it's you are now forced to have the same narrative for everyone who comes into the church because there's some people who i i I believe that we're not all destined to be rich (laughs) there's some people who are not who your your Mm. level of rich is different maybe your level of rich is i don't know having four kids as opposed to the person who has one kid and that's like, that's, that's the rich, that's the, those are the riches that God has planned for you. The issue with branding these preachers like that is now they have to share that and make that seem like everyone's destiny. Right. And, it's, and the opposite is also true though. I was, I was thinking about Jesus when we, when we started this conversation. Do you think part of the problem that we have is that Jesus was on one extreme as well. Like he was, when the way he's presented in the Bible is he came and he he lived a very simple life, like went from house to house, basically had no property of his own. And that was it. So do you think that's mm-hmm. where a, a lot of our confusion also comes from, where it's like the one person who's supposed to exemplify God came without any properties of his own to attract people. Right? And then now we're, we look at people who have properties who are supposed to exemplify God's word as well. Do you think that's why some of it is not to accept on, on, like on one end of things? Mm-hmm. I think, like, because Jesus' role on earth came from, like, I think, to appeal to the people that were there at the time. I feel like at that point in time, if Jesus had come as a rich person, especially with the existence of the Pharisees, do we honestly think anyone would have paid attention to him? What would you... Do you get what? <laughs> no, I, I, like, I'm not even trying to be heretic, but like, he, there would have been no difference between him and the Pharisees. We were supposed to be amazed and in awe by all the things that he did and all the things that he was able to do during his time. If he was rich, he wouldn't need to bless the fish and have them multiply. He would just call Peter and Paul to go get like, from the market. Like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> exactly. So I think Jesus, like, the way he came served the per- like the purpose that he had. At the same time, we should... It's not like Jesus is the only one that people had been looking to, like, in the course of Christianity. Like, it is Christianity, but he was prophesied about for millions of years before he came, right? And these are people that also had their own different characters. Like, you, there are different people in the Bible to relate to at different like, points mm. in time. Abraham was rich. Jacob was also rich. Israel, like those three, the patriarchs, they were really rich. Um, 
Paul even was he was like a statesman, he was a politician. So these are people that it's not only like you can't say you're isolating Jesus from the rest of the things that happen in the Bible. And so because Jesus came as a poor man, all Christians should be poor. Do you get me? Yeah. Like there are people that have followed Jesus that have also been a very diverse and different characteristics as well. Why aren't we giving them as much I mean not as much validity, but validity in the first place that you can look different from this person and still be a follower of them. I agree with you. And I'd never thought about it like that. Um, <laughs> but in the same breath, it's just like <laughs> the crib, go get the like like crib. like Michelle said, you know, Jesus is the one who was portrayed as this humble guy who went to what to do. You know, if if we look at Christianity, Jesus is the star. You know, no, I mean, there are other characters in the Bible. I mean, there's Abraham, like you said, Jacob and everything. But when we really just boil down to it, the focus, I don't want to say the focus, but Jesus is the star, you know, and he was presented as this humble person. And I think that's where the confusion with money comes Mm -hmm. in because we are taught to act Christ-like. There's even the whole thing, like, what would Jesus do type thing, you know? And I guess the goal when it comes to Christianity is, yeah, like I say, Christ-like. And it gets confusing when you have money and he wasn't about that. It was a different kind of yeah. lifestyle. And uh, yeah. Just to wine and dine at like rich people's no, houses. But, but also I'm if just you saying. think about I'm it, just right? the devil, do you remember the story of Job and how the devil came out and said, this guy probably only follows you because you've given him so much. But then God bit by bit took the stuff away from mm-hmm. him all the way to like, um, allowing him to have boils and all, and that was like that was extensive torture, right? Then when 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 Manele was talking, I started thinking to myself that the devil came out and said, "Oh, this guy probably has faith in you because you've given him all of this, right?" And it's this, and the devil hasn't mm. stopped. Yeah. The devil repeats techniques. Says, I, I I really feel like the the, the same thing that, <laughs> that we've seen in the Bible is the same thing that he still does. Now the narrative doesn't really change; it just context changes. So even up to now, if he has to create doubt in people, isn't he going to use the same thing where he plants in an idea in us where it's like, oh, the, these people probably only have faith in God because they have stuff, so therefore you should not. The, and which is my issue with keeping mm-hmm. um, saying that people need to maintain a certain level of like poverty or whatever in order to um, to be to be religious because it's, it's it's it now allows the devil to easily use that narrative where. You, he can easily say mm-hmm. to you, oh, these people only pray because things are good for them. You can't pray because things are bad for you. And that's, that's yeah. kind of where I... I at the, and that's a very easy narrative to accept. And, and so many other Facts. And in as much as you pray because things are good for you, you also pray when things are bad for you, right? So the core reason is like, why is where is your spirituality found? Yeah, and I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying, isn't it, like, isn't it difficult to ask people to do that that, that and that, that's where my question comes from where i'm like it's easier to see someone like jesus because jesus had faith even without the poverty and then of course there are other factors for him where he mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's different but <laughs> yeah that's, <laughs> yeah, an, advantage. that's an advantage that he had but also it's easier for people to follow him because he's not he gets into people's houses without really anything so he gave that impression as well that anyone can do this and <laughs> 
any anyone mm-hmm. and it's better even when you're poor because maybe you're more you're less corruptible and you're less and i think he's uh, the way he lived is a major reason why people find it hard to even accept people with money as religious leaders it's yeah yeah so anyway i think that i've never met a poor religious you've never met a poor religious leader you never what Yeah, I've never oh, met a really? I've been surrounded by them my entire yeah. life. <laughs> I was about to say the no, exact same. All the ones I've known, all the ones I've known, they've had like I don't know, they're substantially, not substantially well off, but at least they're okay. They're they they don't worry about It's anything that's going to happen. In my opinion. I know we're okay. charismatic. It's oh, like no, I You oh okay I think you guys like have these sects and it's so interesting but you know that like okay Elevation Church is a charismatic uh-huh. church it doesn't have a specific nomination uh-huh. um but then it's like based on the fact that like like God is accessible uh-huh. you don't need a middle person but then at the same time it has all these pastors and things that make it like I don't know, I don't know how to explain it it's like yeah the the whole premise is that God is accessible so you don't need to or you don't need to have all these credentials or things like that to be a pastor so anyone can become a pastor if you're like led by God and so you have a lot of these people like just everyone's preaching there's a lot of praise a lot of worship a lot of dancing a lot of yeah, yeah I don't even know how to explain it you you have to I'm, I'm, I'm really about that <laughs> Yeah, but then those are the churches when people talk about prosperity Christianity that you really focus on cuz Jesus is a charismatic like his church is a charismatic church um transformation mm-hmm. elevation um even the churches back home that like um, for us like action lighthouse all those churches those are charismatic churches as well So in my like when I was growing up the people that were down to earth and like had the moderate from Christianity that was exploiting people They were your people. They were the Presbyterians, the SDAs, the um, Methodist people. That's the people that were like, these are the good Christians. And these people are like, they have all these rules to make them from, stop them from being bad people. It's crazy that that's your, um, your experience with pastors. Because like Michelle said, I've, I don't know any pastors that I could look at and like, yeah, he's, mm. he's rich, mm. you know. I remember, I mean, I think it was a year or two ago, I had a bit of an incident when I was driving and I mm-hmm. scratched this car. So I got out and I was like, oh, snap, I can't believe I did this. And I'm looking for the owner. And then the guy was like, oh, is that pasta in there? And I was like, oh, pasta driving a Mercedes Benz, what's going on here? <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. I couldn't, I couldn't make sense out of it. So, yeah, that was weird. That's interesting to hear. That, yeah, because experience. for a long time, I even found it difficult to start listening to the likes of Stephen Project because for me, it was either you're poor or you're a prosperity preacher. Like, there was no... There was no... <laughs> <laughs> either you, it's either God or money, you know? There was no... There was no um, in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't lead me to the promised land when you're Ex- the exactly. Land. That's how that's how it was for me. So it's 
I'm I'm only coming to terms with it now where I'm like where for me it's I think it's the, it's that decision where it's I want God and I want money. So <laughs> I don't want to separate them. Exactly. I to find a way to bring it together. <laughs> I think we've just grown up and we've realized hey, money is part of life. You know, <laughs> just do what you need to do. <laughs> Anyway, guys, um, <laughs> I think we're going to round up on that note. I don't know if you have a final word or final <clears throat> question before we say bye to the listeners. I think I've said it before, like in this um, whole episode, that you human beings or people, if you are a believer or a follower, you need to take more agency mm-hmm. in your relationship with God. Then people will not be uh-huh. as big of an issue because would, I don't know. There's very less to think about when it comes to you are determined to own a relationship with God, which is how God intended for it. That's my takeaway and my. Yeah, Vanilla, did you have anything you wanted to compete with? Yeah, I was gonna say I agree with that. And when it comes to the churches and money, I think. I guess we might have to accept that that's just a reality now and the focus should be on the intention, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, are they trying to manipulate people, form a cult or is it just, you know, (laughs) business kind of thing. And I think that's where we are right now. There's the side of things where you really see vulnerable, vulnerable people being taken advantage Mm -hmm. of. And then the other side of things where you're talking about, yeah, there's these churches where, you know, music and all this stuff, it's a production. It's like, okay, there's the business side of things. So, yeah, I think that's just the reality now. And we just have to accept it and make sure that it's done right. Yeah. um, In conclusion, I'm just going to say everything is corruptible. Um, be it the church, be it, <laughs> be it the people that you're listening to. And it's, 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 it's a difficult thing to, to come to a difficult conclusion to come to. And it doesn't make them bad people. A lot of people do start off with, the, with very good intentions. And a lot of them teach us a lot before they become <laughs> um, corrupted. Or, and there's a lot to learn from them, even if they are corrupted. So I would just say, like, agreeing with both um, your sentiments, just... If you focus on purity of heart and focus more on your purpose, the purpose that drives you for these things, like what are your reasons for wanting money? What are your reasons for wanting a relationship with God? Everything else comes as a byproduct because I am truly an advocate for correct mindset, just putting everything in place, be it your, because all these things do connect, you want for money, you want for other things, do you connect somehow? They seem like they're separate, but they're not, so... Um, that's all I'm going to say in, in conclusion that just if, if, you're, if you're pure of heart and you understand your motives it makes it easier to see when something is now corrupted for you and you need to move on to something else from stage to stage but yeah um, on that note thank you so much Manele and Sakiwa for joining me on this episode I... thanks for having us mm-hmm. yeah you'll probably, you'll probably hear your voices again <laughs> because because <laughs> yeah, they're both very good conversationalists, and I enjoy talking to them. On, I yeah, I enjoy talking to you guys and like in private, our private conversations last hours. So I do hope that our listeners have enjoyed this conversation, and that you have um, contributions to make 
DM DM um, Fall From Eden Podcast on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You know, where, where you're listening from right now. Everywhere. <laughs> on that note, thank you so much. And bye. Good night, good morning, whatever time it is. Where you bye. Bye. <laughs>